You are listening to Dermcast.tv, the official online media resource for the Society of Dermatology PAs. Today we're going to be talking about Cosentix, more than skin deep. Uh, our program objectives are to talk a little bit about psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis, as well as some of the uh, skin clearance data in uh, psoriasis out to five years with Cosentix, as well as patients who stopped Cosentix, restarted Cosentix, and how they were able to do with their therapy management. And we will also be discussing the inhibition of joint structural damage at week 24. Okay, so we know psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis are inflammatory diseases. Uh, There's been a big shift to treat these conditions more seriously than maybe back 50 years ago, 100 years ago, dermatologists and other healthcare providers thought that psoriasis was just limited to skin inflammation. Now we're seeing that it's more of a total systemic inflammatory condition uh, mediated by T cells. So about 7.5 million Americans have psoriasis. It's estimated to be about 3% of the world population, so about 100 million people worldwide. We know that every 1 in 10 patients with psoriasis will have psoriatic arthritis. That means the same pro-inflammatory condition in their skin is actually affecting their joints as well. And up to 30% of patients with psoriasis may develop psoriatic arthritis during the course of their disease. Psoriasis can come up at any time, but it prevalently shows in young adulthood, and psoriatic arthritis most commonly shows up later. However, you can see psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis show up at different points and times. We know that psoriasis is a very itchy condition, right? The majority of patients, when they have psoriasis, their their complaint is of itch. Then there's scaling and sometimes pain. There's also the, you know, psychosocial issue impact for patients when they have this discomfort in their skin and that they have to hide their their skin disease. Now, as a... Dermatology specialists, we're all very familiar with this right here. So this is the skin manifestation of psoriasis, right? We have some skin plaques, uh, elevation, erythema, some scaling. What we don't see that often is the joint manifestations. Patients with joint disease, if they don't have skin disease, or let's say they have very little skin disease, they may present to our rheumatology counterparts first before they come to dermatology. So some common presentations of psoriatic arthritis would be dactylitis, which is a sausage digit, tender swollen joints. This is typically an asymmetric distribution. So different than RA where it's going to be symmetric bilaterally. And then enthesitis. So where the tendon adheres to the bone, you can have some inflammation. In psoriatic arthritis, the Achilles tendon is the most frequently involved location, but patients can also have SI inflammation as well. So as we go through the slide deck, I want you all to think about how do we screen our psoriasis patients for psoriatic arthritis? I know a challenge for me in my own clinical practice is that many patients don't associate their joint disease with their skin disease. So when you ask them, oh, do you have any tender 
joints or stiffness or swelling, a lot of the times patients will tell me, you know, no, I don't. And then after having a little bit more dialogue with the patient, they'll say, oh, you know, maybe sometimes my knee gets a little bit swollen, but don't worry, my primary care is taking care of me. So this is a challenge that in dermatology, I think that sometimes we face with our patients. So moving forward, let's talk about Cosentix. Cosentix, or Secukinumab, is the first and only fully IL-17A antagonist approved for the treatment of psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. So MAB, whenever you see a medication ending in MAB, that stands for monoclonal antibody. Quick fact. It's indicated for adult patients in, uh, with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis, as well as psoriatic arthritis and ankylosing spondylitis. Contraindications to Cosentix are if any patients have ever had a hypersensitivity to Cosentix. And some warnings for Cosentix uh, as a biologic therapy would be increased risk for infections. We know that psoriasis is a pro-inflammatory or a hyperimmune state. So Cosentix works by suppressing that immune system so that the patients are not symptomatic. So in clinical trials, we saw that uh, there was a slightly higher risk of nasopharyngitis, 11.4% versus 8.6% in placebo, upper respiratory tract infections, and candida infections. So you want to exercise caution when using Cosentix uh, in patients. You don't want to give a patient who has an active infection uh, biologic therapy such as Cosentix. We want to screen for tuberculosis. I'm not sure about the rest of the, the room, but in my area where I practice in Orange County, California, we have a lot of patients that are maybe from Latin America or from Asia, and there's a lot of tuberculosis. So Frequently, we screen for tuberculosis and as well as annually. And that's just to make sure that you don't start someone who has latent TB on a biologic or immunosuppressant. Uh, there were some incidences of inflammatory bowel disease that was found in the clinical trials. And there's still some more information to come out. So patients who have a history of IBD, you want to proceed with caution and just make sure you look out for that. Hypersensitivity, again, patients who have a known hypersensitivity to Cosentix, you don't want to dose them with Cosentix. And you don't want to give a patient a live attenuated vaccine while they're receiving a biologic therapy. So that would be like Pneumovax, Zostervax. Uh, you don't want to give these to patients while they're receiving their, their biologic therapy. You can rather dose it before or cycle the patients off and then dose their vaccine. And again, most common adverse reactions were nasopharyngitis, diarrhea, and upper respiratory tract infections. So the dosing. Uh, if you've got moderate to severe psoriasis, I like to tell my patients, you're a cowboy. You get two pens, one for each side. Uh, you get your dosing at uh, zero, week zero, one, two, three, and four, and then Q four weeks thereafter. Now, if you only have psoriatic arthritis, you get the 150 milligram dose, so you get one pen. However, this is uh, for patients who only have the psoriatic arthritis component without the moderate to severe plaque psoriasis component. The mechanism of action. So we know with psoriasis, it's a T-cell mediated disorder. 
meaning that you have a lot of T helper cells come and they signal other pro-inflammatory cytokines, some of which you may be familiar with, such as IL-12, TNF-alpha, IL-23 and 22. IL-17 has been shown to have a high correlation with psoriasis activity. So Cosentix is an IL-17A inhibitor. By binding to IL-17A and inhibiting IL-17A binding to its receptor, you're able to downregulate that pro-inflammatory cascade for psoriasis patients. Now, jumping into the pivotal trials for Cosentix, they had two pilot studies, which were erasure and fixture, uh, very similar study design models. You had patients randomized to receive rather 300 milligrams or 150 milligrams versus placebo. In fixture, there was a biologic active control. And now, after uh, studying patients out to week 12, we looked at the rates of, of POSI improvement. So a POSI 75 rate means that it is a 75% improvement in their POSI score. Normally in clinical practice, we just talk about BSA, body surface area. So in order for you to be a candidate for biologic therapy, systemic biologic therapy, traditionally insurance companies require you to have 10% BSA. So that sort of equivalent would be like a POSI 12 and up for clinical trial you know, lingo. And so a POSI 75 means that a patient had a 75% improvement in their POSI score. So if you had a POSI of 10 at the end of 12 weeks, your POSI would have dropped down to a 2.5. So 82% of patients in the 300 milligram arm achieved a POSI 75 after 12 weeks versus 71% in the 150 milligram arm and the 4% in placebo. If we raise the bar and look at POSI 90, so a 90% improvement in POSI score, means if you had a POSI of 10 and it dropped to 1 for simple math, 59% uh, of patients were able to achieve that. And looking at these patients out to a year, at week 52, 81 and 84% of patients who achieved their POSI 75 response were able to maintain it. Looking at IGA, so IGA stands for Investigator Global Assessment. So the, the physician who's doing the clinical trial will look at the patient and make an assessment on a five-point scale from zero to four, uh, zero being clear, one being almost clear, mild, moderate, and severe. 65% of patients in the 300 milligram arm were able to achieve a zero or one uh, response, and 51% of patients in the 150 milligram arm were able to achieve that. And you can see the numbers are nice because the, the percentages are almost the same in both trials, which is very nice data to have since these are done completely at different sites uh, with different PIs, different patients. These are some before and after pictures to show you what a POSI 75 will look like. You can see here at baseline, you have some erythema, some thickness, some scaling, and POSI 75, a little bit of scaling here. But, uh, oh, sorry. I don't know how to go back, but that's okay. So we'll just talk about, oh, thank you. Okay, so you have here, um, 
POSI 90. So this is a very, very large, thick red plaque with some scaling, some elevation, and some redness. And the POSI 90 here, the patient, you can see the skin is almost clear. There might be a faint amount of uh, erythema, but very, very trace amounts. So this is a difference between a POSI 75 and a POSI 90. The majority of patients in real-life clinical practice, a POSI-75 is a very robust response, meaning the patient is happy. If you get POSI-75, the itchiness is better. They don't have to hide under clothes their plaques. It's not nearly as visible. And um, clinically, patients feel much improved. Okay, so looking at the safety profile through week 12, uh, common reactions were nasopharyngitis, diarrhea, upper respiratory tract infection, rhinitis, oral herpes, pharyngitis, urticaria, and rhinorrhea. So slightly higher percentages in the treatment arms versus placebo, 11.4 versus 12.3 versus 8.6. Patients uh, who had cosentix, less than 1% had an injection site reaction. So for those of you who dose biologics in your office, maybe you're familiar with injection site reactions. These are typically very, very painful, uncomfortable reactions patients have at the local area where they're injecting their biologic. So less than 1% of patients in the clinical trials had this injection site reaction. And they also measured neutralizing antibodies out a year after patients had started Cosentix. And less than 0.5% of patients had detectable neutralizing antibodies. The reason why Novartis was interested in this data is because there's something called immunogenicity effect with biologics, which means your own body will start to recognize the medication you're taking as being foreign and develop antibodies against that medication. So it's a known uh, issue with biologic therapy, and that's why Novartis was interested in looking at how patients did. So out to a year, less than 0.5% of patients had neutralizing antibodies. Now, going out further, we looked at patients from week 52 out to week 156. So looking at them a couple years out uh, from initial dosing. And the same patients who were in the 300 milligram arm and the 150 milligram arm, they were re-randomized into two different uh, arms. One was to continue getting fixed interval dosing, means you still got your regular dosing of Cosentix. The other arm was to see how patients did if we took them off of therapy. So they were doing well, they had POSI 75 or 90, and then you removed Cosentix and you took them off of drug, you waited for their psoriasis to come back, to relapse, and then you dosed them again to see how these patients did. And we saw that patients who were taken off of Cosentix therapy and then restarted once their psoriasis relapsed, 95% of patients were able to achieve POSI 75. So that means 95% of the patients who had achieved POSI 75 with Cosentix were able to regain that response. And 70% were able to achieve POSI 90. Now the median time to relapse was 28 weeks. Relapse was defined as greater than a 50% loss of, in their POSI score. So when they lost at least 50% of their improvement, they were considered relapse and then given drug again. The median time to relapse was 28 weeks, so between six to seven months. 
Now, looking at patients for long-term therapy with uh, Cosentix and the safety data, Novartis has the Sculpture Extension Study, which looks at patients out to five years. Very similar model as the prior erasure and fixture uh, long-term study data. We had patients who were in the Cosentix 300 milligram arm, then the 150 milligram arm, and these patients were split to have fixed interval dosing or start of relapse dosing. And basically just following them throughout the years and seeing how things were going. So this is a very busy slide with a lot of information, but basically what we're looking for are any sort of concerning trends. So a patient is on a biologic therapy, you look at them first 16 weeks, then out to year one, then year one to two, year two to three, year three to four, and year four to five. And we're looking for any sort of unusual signaling or uptrends. Uh, we can see here the total AEs, 131 versus 126 versus 109 versus 91 versus 77 out to year five. So there's no upward trend here, which is a good thing. Uh, AEs of special interest, uh, you can see here tuberculosis. There were no cases during the five years of reactivated tuberculosis. Uh, and a couple of cases of candida, but otherwise uh, infection, no, nothing that uh, looks concerning in any sort of upward trend. Now, looking at how patients did as far as ret retaining their efficacy of the drug. Uh, so at year one, 89% of patients who achieved POSI 75 uh, out to five years, 89% of patients were still able to maintain their POSI 75. 69% of patients who achieved POSI 90, 66 at year five. And this is an as-observed analysis. Over the entire five-year treatment period, 10 patients did discontinue to an adverse event, and seven discontinued to a lack of efficacy. Now, jumping into the psoriatic arthritis trials, we're going to talk about Future 2, which is the psoriatic arthritis trials for Cosentix. We had three treatment arms. We have Cosentix 300, Cosentix 150, and placebo. Uh, again, very similar study design. The primary endpoint here, though, is at week 24. So in rheumatology, they use something called ACR20. Uh, this is their equivalent to a POSI 75. So an ACR20 means a 20% improvement in an ACR score. And then secondary endpoints would be like an ACR50. So increasing that, that goal by, to the figure of 50 and an ACR of 70. So in, in dermatology, our, our grading curve is a little bit higher, right? POSI 75, POSI 90, POSI 100. And we're also looking at patients as secondary endpoints for an enthesitis response and a dactylitis response. Now, after 24 weeks, all patients re received drug. So we'll see how those patients did as well. Key inclusion criteria. So clinical trials are typically done in uh, adult patients, 18 years and older, unless they're specifically looking for pediatric indication. We had to have patients that had active PSA classified by CASPAR criteria. And they had to have inadequate response with rather DMARD or an NSAID or anti-TNF therapies with greater than three or more tender swollen joints. 
and uh, patients who were inadequately controlled with TNF were included, as well as biologic naive. Key exclusion criteria were prior biologic therapy users with more than three different TNF inhibitors or biologics other than TNF. So if you had had, you know, Cosentix previously or another IL-17 drug, you were excluded from the trial, as well as anyone with an active infection or history of, you know, recurrent infections and malignancy within the past five years. So the demographics of these patients the mean time of PSA diagnosis, seven years, six years, seven years, inadequate response to TNF therapy, so prior biologic failures. This is about a third of the study population. Um, concomitant methotrexate. Uh, about half of the, the study candidates had concomitant methotrexate, but the methotrexate had to be at a stable dose and less than 25 milligrams. Uh, they did allow concomitant glucocorticoids. Uh, half, a little bit more than half had enthesitis and dactylitis. More than about 4158, 44% had more psoriasis than 3% BSA. And their hack di scores were 1.3, 1.2, and 1.2. So looking at patients at week 16, uh, and this is why there's a little bit of difference in the dosing, whether you have plaque psoriasis or whether you have psoriatic arthritis alone. If you only had the psoriatic arthritis component, you can see here in pink the Cosentix 300 milligram arm, 57%, versus 150 milligram arm in purple, 60%. And the figures are comparable at ACR 50 and ACR 70, 35 versus 37, 15 and 17. So this is why the rheumatology indication for psoriatic arthritis alone is uh, 150 milligram dosing, not the 300 milligram arm. But if you have both psoriatic arthritis and the moderate to severe psoriasis component, you will be dosed at, you should be dosed at the dermatology uh, 300 milligram recommended dosing. Okay, and so following these patients, just like we did with the plaque psoriasis trial, we see here patients uh, from zero to week 16, 150 versus 300 milligram arm, pretty, pretty stable with each other. And then out to three years, uh, 150, 70% were able to maintain their ACR20, and 75% with the Cosentix 300 milligram arm were able to maintain ACR20 out to three years. Now, looking at just the 300 milligram dosing, Patients who received methotrexate and who did not receive methotrexate, out to three years, 77% without methotrexate therapy were able to maintain their ACR score, ACR 20 or above. 73% uh, with methotrexate were able to maintain that. So why is this important? So that you know whether or not you use methotrexate, the results of the patients were not affected. And now for patients who had biologic therapy in the past or were TNF naive, 85.2% of the TNF naive patients were able to maintain POSI 75 versus 55.6% TNF 
inadequate response. But you can see here the line of the TNF inadequate response group, it, it kind of uh, fluctuates a little bit. And this is probably due to the sample size. The sample size at the end was only 27 patients. So the, Novartis should have more data coming out year four, and uh, we'll have some more clarity on these numbers uh, when that's published. Looking at patients with enthesitis, so 48% and 42% of patients had no observed enthesitis uh, at week 24, and patients with dactylitis, 57 and 50% had no observed dactylitis at week 24. That means their sausage digit had resolved, their swollen angles had resolved at week 24. And 66% of patients had enthesitis. So more than half of these patients had enthesitis versus 46 with dactylitis, about half. So a hack di score. Uh, in dermatology, we don't normally you know, investigate these quite as much as our rheumatology counterparts. So this is a health assessment questionnaire disability index. This is used in patients with psoriatic arthritis, osteoarthritis, rheumatoid arthritis. And their beginning score, basically the higher the score the patient has, the more disabled they are. And it's a qualities of getting ready, eating, dressing yourself, grooming yourself. So qualities of, of daily life and measurements of that. So at baseline, the 300 milligram arm had a starting baseline of 1.28. And after week 16, they had a reduction of 0.55 in their HACDI score. So that, that's almost half. And 1.22 in the 150 milligram arm with a reduction of 0.45 versus placebo of a reduction of 0.23. So you can see the numbers, they speak for themselves. Now looking at the safety results, uh, very similar AEs compared to the psoriatic uh, plaque trials. We have upper respiratory tract infections, nasopharyngitis, headache, diarrhea, nausea, uh, urinary tract infection, vomiting. And all the safety signals we saw in the core psoriasis, plaque psoriasis trials were consistent with the psoriatic arthritis trials. Looking at infections in the plaque psoriasis trials, regular infections 28.7% versus placebo 18.9% at week 12. Serious infections though in the treatment arm was 0.14 and in placebo was 0.3. In the psoriatic arthritis trial, 29 versus 26 for infections, 1.3 versus 0.3 for serious infections. We know that as a class effect, when you inhibit IL-17, you do have a higher risk for candida infections just by how IL-17 works. However, um, there was no discontinuation in the clinical trials due to candida infections and the percentage was not very high. And uh, you have some other infections such as herpes viral infections, staph infections that were reported. There were a couple of cases of neutropenia in the clinical trials, but these were transient and reversible, no one discontinued therapy. 
There were a couple of cases of Crohn's disease exacerbations, three in the psoriasis trials, which is 0.11 per 100 patient years. So when you look at that data, that means if you were to treat 100 patients, you would get a tenth uh, of a case. And if you were to treat 1,000 patients, you would get one patient with potentially a Crohn's disease exacerbation. There were no new onsets, two ulcerative colitis exacerbations, two new onsets. And then in the psoriatic arthritis trials, there was no Crohn's disease exacerbation, one new onset, no ulcerative colitis exacerbations, one new onset. So they are uh, having more study data coming out with the exploratory, uh, exploratory study, and we'll have some more information and data for that. So looking at Future 5, Future 5 is the largest multicenter randomized double-blinded placebo-controlled phase 3 for the study of psoriatic arthritis. So this was a very, very, very big study. Uh, very similar design. You had Cosentix 300 milligrams, you had 150 milligrams, uh, and 150 milligrams without loading versus placebo. And the primary endpoint here was also ACR20 at week 16, but we're also looking for the modified total SHARP score. So this is how we look at biologics to see whether they can inhibit uh, joint structural damage or not. And this was measured at week 24. And so no surprise here, at week 16, ACR20, Cosentix 300 milligrams, 63% of patients were able to achieve that versus 27% in placebo. Uh, if you move the, the grade up to ACR50, you had 39.6% of patients achieving that. Now, looking at the modified total SHARP score for patients, this is what radiologists use to grade on x-ray films, how patients are doing as far as their joint structural damage. And it's a few different figures, and it involves looking at joint space narrowing, and basically how active the disease is in the joints, and how much remodeling is actually happening on x-ray films. And patients uh, in the Cosentix treatment arm had a 0.08 mean change from baseline at week 24 versus 0.5 in placebo. So this is very statistically significant. Uh, and structural non-progressors, meaning that the change was less than 0.5, 88% of patients in the Cosentix treatment arm were structural non-progressors versus 73.6 in the placebo arm. So we see that it does stop uh, and inhibit a lot of that joint progression in psoriatic arthritis, which is the concern that we have for our psoriatic arthritis patients. So in summary, we've seen that Cosentix is more than skin deep. We looked at the five-year data showing that skin clearance does last. We saw that most patients after interruption of therapy, they were able to regain efficacy. And we also saw that inhibits joint structural damage with consistent safety data over time between the PSO trials and the PSA trials. And right now, Cosentix is the number one prescribed biologic therapy for psoriatic arthritis patients starting or switching biologic agents. Okay, and I think uh, we can have some questions.
Thank you. Thank you, Andrea. And so if you do have any questions, you should be able to input those questions onto your SDPA app, and we can probably take those on the, uh, on the queue right now. So, Andrea? Okay. So first one, how do you counsel patients about IBD prior to starting Cosentix? So this is a good question to ask. Uh, we do have IBD is a condition that patients have, and it's not always straightforward how to screen patients if they are not currently symptomatic, if they don't have a history of IBD. How do you know your patient is going to be one in that thousand that gets you know, IBD? Uh, you have to, just like with any other medication, when we talk about starting a biologic therapy uh, for psoriasis patients, we have to talk about possible risk uh, with that medication. And so when you talk about Cosentix, who, when you talk about you know, vaccines and you talk about immunosuppression and risk of infections, I also mentioned to them, if you have a history of IBD in your family or if you've ever had any symptoms, then it's something for us to look out for and to watch. There were a couple of cases in the clinical trials. However, it was not a high percentage. So it might be just a mask in therapy for some patients, but the majority of patients did not have this issue. So that does not mean that, you know, Cosentix, you have to worry about giving patients IBD when you give them Cosentix. It's just something for you to screen for. If a patient has active IBD, then you, I would work with the gastroenterologist to find appropriate um, biologic therapy for that patient. So second question, how do you dose a patient down off biologics in order to give them a live vaccine? And then how do you dose them back up? So this is a good question. I don't think that there's any published data that specifically gives you guidelines. Uh, in my clinical practice with some of the older agents, what I would do is five half-lives. So five half-lives, and then once patients are finished with their fifth half-life, then you know, they can have their live vaccine, and then I wait normally a week or two and I restart therapy. Now, Cosentix half-life and some of the other interleukin uh, biologics, their half-lives are a little bit longer than the traditional TNF therapies. So I don't wait quite as long as five half-lives. I normally hold a dose or two and then let them get their vaccination and then they can restart. And next question, what is your preferred screening test for TB? So I normally in my clinical practice, I like to use a quantiferon gold. Uh, I do still place PPDs from time to time, but sometimes if my patients don't show up for their follow-up appointment, causes some problems, so I just order a quantiferon gold. Can I discuss patient assistant programs? Uh, I sure can. What I can tell you is that in my own clinical practice, I have seen a huge change in coverage for, you know, Cosentix Novartis, I know has worked very, very, very hard to make this easily available to patients when a prescriber prescribes. Uh, when a biologic first comes to market, they are not always, uh, you know, the most accepted therapy when there's older players on the market. But definitely since launch into this year, and even in this year, I've noticed a, a significant um, push from the company and a lot of assistance for patients. Uh, probably your local representative can help you as far as guiding you in the right way to have patients uh, qualify for those assistant programs. I know Novartis also has a indigent sort of patient program where patients can get help if they, if they meet their qualifications. 
So how do you counsel patients about IBD? I think we answered this question, or unless you guys want me. Okay, it's the same ones. Got it. Okay. So any other questions? Other? Have you ever placed a patient on Cosentix with guttate psoriasis for a six-month duration, then stop therapy? So the answer to this question is no. Guttate psoriasis, not saying that you can't do it, but guttate psoriasis, uh, a lot of the times this is a transient psoriasis presentation, meaning patients will get guttate psoriasis, they'll have a flare, it'll respond once you treat their infection, and then they'll, they'll be psoriasis clear. And then a lot of the other times, guttate psoriasis is the first manifestation of psoriasis. So you'll see a patient with guttate psoriasis, and eventually they will tran you know, transfer over to traditional plaque-type psoriasis. 85% of psoriasis patients have plaque-type psoriasis. That leaves 15% left you know, with the other subtypes. When starting a patient who has PSA and limited dis skin disease, scalp or genitals or presents with nail pitting, would you use dosing for plaque psoriasis or for PSA? So when a patient has special psoriasis in certain areas such as scalp, nails, uh, genitalia, I still continue with the, the plaque psoriasis indication. Uh, so the 300 milligram dose. And Novartis has some really nice clinical trial data, which I'm sure uh, any of the team members from Novartis here would be happy to show you, as, as well as your, your folks back home. Uh, they have some nice trial data in specifically nail psoriasis, uh, the gesture trial, and scalp psoriasis. How long to be off prior to TKA? I'm sorry, what, can someone clarify to me what TKA is? Oh, uh, okay, ortho, <laughs> told me, told, told me, yes. So I, I would just hold their dose. Um, if it's a huge, huge surgery, obviously I like them to be off biologic therapy for a little bit longer, uh, depending on what the patient is going to have. Um, if it's a smaller surgery, like a hernia repair, I have them hold their dose. So they get their dose, and then they're off for 60 days, uh, and then they, they can proceed, as long as their surgeon is okay with that. And that's it. Okay, thank you. This has been a presentation of Dermcast.tv, the official online media resource for the Society of Dermatology PAs.